and welcome everybody to FanStream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fidoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on X at Pete Fidoff. This is episode 103 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. This is the OSU preview, or I should say the OSU preview, as OSU fans and OSU athletes say, or the Ohio State University. But first things first, head over to our webpage at FanStreamSports.com. For additional podcast information, if you have an Apple device, an Android device, please feel free to download the FanStream Sports app. And then head over to our Facebook page, like that page, additional content there as well. Feel free to share that with your friends and family. Before we get to the OSU preview, I have some recruiting news today, but take this with a grain of salt as I pre-warn you. Deuce Knight, the number one dual threat quarterback in the 2025 class per rivals, announced his commitment to Notre Dame today. He chose Notre Dame over Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, and numerous others. He's six foot four, 190 pounds. He's left-handed. That's the first left-handed quarterback I think we've had since Malik Zaire. But uh, that's a if he stays committed to Notre Dame, that's a great uh, pickup for Notre Dame. We already have C.J. Carr, a uh, great quarterback coming in in 2024, and then Deuce Knight in 2025. But take it with a grain of salt. He can still back out of that commitment at any time until he signs on the dotted line in 2025. He's subject to change his commitment, but still great news if he uh, if he stays committed to Notre Dame. Now for the OSU preview, as I continue to say that, I wanted to remind all of you as well. I said this before. I would be doing a dual joint podcast, whatever you want to call that, with my cousin Jeff Tito Thidoff with his uh, Buckeye Daily Blitz podcast later this week. We did the similar, uh, the same thing, I should say, uh, last year when uh, Notre Dame came here to Columbus. So that'll be later this week. First things first, uh, this game will be uh, 7.30 p.m. East, or wait, I'm sorry, September the 23rd, this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. Uh, OSU comes in ranked number six. Notre Dame is ranked number nine. This will be the green jersey game and actually green pants from what I believe when I saw the pictures uh, later this or mid, it was either midsummer or late summer. But anyway, it'll be the so-called, if you want to call it a green out game, but you'll see a sea of green, hopefully a sea of green and not a scarlet and gray. We'll get into that a little bit later in my talking points. But um, for, uh, but really quick again, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, NBC, uh, and wear green if you're going to the game. Uh, let's. I'm going to have three talking points here. Let's get into just general stats. I don't want to get too much into the stats because Notre Dame has played one more game than OSU because we played in week zero. But usually, if, as I look at the stats here, usually uh, OSU's uh, doing better offensively than Notre Dame typically, but it's a little bit reversed this year. Uh, Notre Dame averages 509 yards per game, OSU 475. Passing, uh, Notre Dame is averaging 304 yards per game, whereas OSU is 318. Some of that dis, uh, difference is because Sam Hartman did not play in the second half of the Tennessee State game. Had he played, our passing yardage would be up a little bit more there. Uh, yards rushing, Notre Dame averages 205 yards per game, OSU 157. Yards allowed, Notre Dame is allowing 234 yards per game, OSU slightly less at 223. Passing yards allowed, Notre Dame is only giving up 127 yards per game, OSU 140, so not much difference there. 
this is the key to the game for me right now. Rushing yards per game that we're giving up as a defense. 108 yards per game for Notre Dame. Not bad, but I'd like to get that down a little, especially after last weekend. But OSU is only allowing 83 yards per game for their rush defense. Uh, so there's the stats. Right, Point number two. I know a lot of people have five points to victory. I have six uh, six points categories, wherever you say, for a for Notre Dame to win this game. Or key, keys to victory. That's, that's what I should say. So the six keys to victory for this game for Notre Dame. Uh, stop the run and tackle better. I've said it in numerous other po- podcasts since the uh, Tennessee State game. Our tackling has not been the best. It was a lot better for NC State, but with Central Michigan, it was uh, pathetic, especially in the first half. But to me, stopping the run and to tackle better is probably the biggest key to this game. I know that this game, football, that is, has evolved into a pass happy. NFL league, the college game, even in the uh, high school game, but it's still pretty basic. Whoever runs the ball better and stops the run typically wins the game. That's my first key point here. Got to stop the run because if you stop the run, that puts more pressure on Kyle McCord. I know he has great receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I believe his name is Julian Fleming, Emeka Abuka. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Talented freshman Carnell Tate, who was pretty close to coming to Notre Dame, but eventually signed with OSU. If if OSU's running all over the place, that just opens up their passing game, and it's going to be a long day for Notre Dame. Number two, limit the penalties. I would love to have no penalties at all. Some penalties have been aided by some questionable calls by the referees, but we've had a lot of stupid penalties as well. Uh, eliminate those penalties, especially the dumb ones. You're probably going to have, a, you know, usually about five penalties per game, but make them very minor penalties is what I'm trying to say. And then to uh, piggyback off that, turnovers. Usually I say no more than one turnover per game. For this game, we have to have zero turnovers to have a chance. Zero turnovers to have a chance. So number two, limit penalties and zero turnovers. Number three, this is a pretty big one too, protect Sam Hartman. He got knocked around pretty good against Central Michigan, which scares me right there. Central Michigan can do this. Uh, God knows what OSU can do. But we have got to protect Sam Hartman way better than what we did against Central Michigan. I do not want him to get touched. If he has to move around here and there, I'm okay with that. Or go outside the pocket. That's one thing. But I, I want his green jersey, green pants to be spotless after this game. And to... Uh, for kind of like point three a for this Kyle McCord, we got to pressure Kyle McCord. This is his first big game on the road. And it's kind of a roles reverse from last year where Tyler Buckner. Yes. He had some experience from his freshman year. And I think Kyle McCord did as well, but his first true road test will be at Notre Dame. Whereas last year, Tyler Buckner, his first true road test was in the horseshoe, which he didn't play the greatest game, but actually not to get too sidetracked here. I think he played a better game at the Horseshoe than what he did this past weekend in South Florida in Tampa Bay. But that's a discussion for a different day. But we got to protect Sam Hartman because I'm telling you, if Stetson Stetson Bennett can pick apart the OSU secondary, I know that was last year, but a lot of those players are still back from uh, the OSU defense. And yes, it's an improved defense from last year. But if Stetson Bennett from Georgia, the guy that played probably 10 years, it seemed, in college. We say, well, Sam Hartman 
has been in college for a long time too. Well, he at least graduated. Stetson Bennett, seven years, he still did not get a degree. A discussion for a different day as well. But if Sam Hartman gets ample time to throw, he will pick apart this uh, OSU secondary, in my opinion, that is. Protect Sam Hartman and uh, pressure uh, Kyle McCourt. And let's get some sacks as well. We've been getting some decent pressure on the quarterback from our uh, first four games, but we've barely had any sacks. We've got to sack Kyle McCord uh, and get him thinking, get him antsy throughout the game. Number four, a fast start. I We can't have the starts we've had the last couple weeks. We can't get down early to OSU, 14 to nothing, or 21 to seven. We got to have a fast start. And that deals with, um, with so that's point number four. This leads into point number five here, or my keys to the game. Key point number five here, we need some big plays. With that fast start, you're probably going to have some big plays uh, intermingled in there. Uh, I'm not saying you have to have a 75-yard run uh, every single drive that you have, but we got to have some big plays. We had a few of those last week with Tobias Merriweather. He has a 75-yard TD catch. And then Chris Tyree, I think that was 77 yards. But with the big plays, you just can't – and it's pretty much – you can't sustain that throughout the game unless you have an inferior opponent. And OSU is not an inferior opponent. But within those big plays, we have to have drives – where we're moving the chains, controlling the line of scrimmage, where it's like an eight to nine, 10 play yard drive, where you get Aldrick Estime going. You get the five running backs because we can go five deep in the running back room, get uh, OSU tired, keep pounding on them, keep pounding on them, and then hit them for another big play uh, throughout the game. Because ideally, I would just like to see us up by late in the game. Or let's just say late in the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, Let's say we're up by four to seven points. Let's say even 10 points. We just start uh, feeding the ball to Aldrick Estimate or one of those other four running backs with an, a tired OSU defense, just keep pounding and pounding and then put the game away late in the fourth quarter. Uh, key point number six. I think this is a big one right here as well. We have really three talented freshmen that have had their moments throughout these first four games. Rico Flores Jr., who's a wide receiver, Jaden Greathouse, another freshman wide receiver, and then also Jeremiah Love. I always have to look. I know these guys by heart, but I, I don't want to miss this here. Rico Flores Jr., Jaden Greathouse, wide receivers, and then running back Jeremiah Love. Very talented freshman. When they signed on the dotted line last year, I don't say they were like real cocky kids, but very confident kids. And I've just seen it for the first four games. These kids, I know there's probably some jitters here and there, I've seen no fear from these three individuals at this point. And I know as you get older, you start to have doubts in your uh, mind, especially athletes where it's like, I've been here, whether it's an NFL player, I, this is my 10th year in the league. I went to the Super Bowl a couple of times. How many more chances am I going to get? And I think with our upperclassmen, that may be the case. They put so much time and energy last year uh, preparing for OSU. And then we had that disappointing loss. And then we lost to Marshall. And then we finally got things rolling again late last year. But I can see more upperclassmen where if, if this game is not going the way they thought, it's like, here we go again. We're not, we're going to lose again to a, a top 10 team. And I think with these three individuals, though, we have got to maximize their talent uh, in during this game. Tobias Merriweather had some moments last week with that big 75-yard uh, 75-yard TD catch. But if he's not producing on Saturday, get Rico in there. 
get Jaden Greathouse in there. Jeremiah Love, that guy, I mean, he just, his legs keep churning and churning. It takes a lot to bring him down, and he's only a freshman. He reminds me, I know there's only one Ricky Waters at this point, but he reminds me very similar to the way Ricky Waters ran at Notre Dame back in the early 90s, where or late 80s, early 90s, where his legs just would not go down. He ran it like that upright uh, running style, kind of like an Eric Dickerson type. But Rico Flores, Jaden Greathouse, and Jeremiah Love get them involved in this game. Point number three, or key, or, or no, so that's the six keys to victory right there. Point number three for this podcast, and this deals with, I don't want to come off too crass right now, but certain fans uh, for Notre Dame, I don't think it's fans that are diehard fans, but fans that carry or um, care too much about the almighty dollar. Let's just put it that way instead of putting them into this demographic. But it's been known that a lot of people or a lot of so-called diehard Notre Dame fans are worried that a lot of these fans that carry or that care too much about selling their tickets for a, uh, a huge profit will sell their tickets to OSU fans. I've said this numerous times before in 2017, I went to the Georgia game and I was on one side, but the other side, you just saw a sea of red and it was embarrassing that Notre Dame fans sold their tickets. I can understand if you have a family emergency where unexpected cost comes up, whether it's medical, uh, your kid's car broke down in college and you need to, uh, you need some quick cash. I understand that. But even if, if that happens, can you at least sell it to a Notre Dame fan? instead of an OSU fan. So for these fans that are going to sell out to the almighty dollar, and they have the right to do that. I'm a capitalist. I, I, I get it. But for this, this is probably the biggest game. I know the Clemson game in 2020 was pretty big, and we won that game. But there was no Trevor Lawrence. It was during COVID. I think this is the biggest game since the 2005 uh, USC game, the, the Bush-Push game, which we should have won. Uh, but I'm just saying this now. Fans don't don't sell out to the OSU fan base for the almighty dollar. Notre Dame has sold out enough to Under Armour and NBC because they're paying them the most uh, for the apparel deal with Under Armour and with the TV deal with NBC. Don't sell out the way Notre Dame does for that aspect. Uh, let's let's have a lot of people said to, as long as it's 60 40 Notre Dame, we should be fine. I want at the least 70 30. I love to see 80 20. Because, yeah, the, you know, OSU has a certain uh, allocated amount of tickets that they get from Notre Dame to actually come to the game. But uh, there will be fans that will sell their ticket for the almighty dollar. Hopefully, that's not uh, too many uh, that do that. So, uh, my prediction for the game, you've already known this before, uh, that I just especially after last week, and I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I'm eating crow Sunday morning. And I, I still feel like those wide receivers for OSU uh, can really, uh, I, I just think it, it could be, even though we have a decent secondary, I just think it's a bad matchup. That's the thing too. There's been, before I get to my prediction for the game, and I can't say now, there's no one that's going to be cheering louder and harder for Notre Dame than me this week, but I, I'm a realist too. And I hope I'm dead wrong. But back to my point that I was getting to there's like 2018 uh, OSU got annihilated by Purdue at Purdue I think they lost by 28 points that was I think his name was was it Tyler Trent the the kid that had terminal cancer and I know some of that had to deal with that but still OSU still should have won that game if Notre Dame played Purdue during that game or, or I'm sorry 
ND would have beat Purdue easily that year. Iowa in 2017, uh, OSU had just come off a big win against Penn State, and Iowa just destroyed OSU. Another inferior opponent that Notre Dame would have beat in 2017. Uh, what's another game? As I'm trying to think some other, well, even like Michigan. Uh, May, in 2021, when Michigan finally beat them at the big house after so many years, I, I think Notre Dame would have beat that Michigan team. Even last year, I think, even though Notre Dame was up and down throughout the year, I think Notre Dame would have beat, there's just been certain instances where teams where Notre Dame would have beat during the season uh, easily, or maybe not even easily, but just beat them in general. Uh, that OSU could not beat. It's just, how can I say this? It's it's always the match. There's always these OSU matchups that just do not uh, fare well for Notre Dame. I just think with their receivers, even though we have a talented secondary, I think that matchup is going to be exploited. And also, I think our D line is just not playing well enough right now. Maybe they will on Saturday, where I think OSU can exploit their run, their rushing attack against our D line. But back to the my analysis before I got sidetracked there. There's just been so many instances where Notre Dame would have beat the opponent from OSU, but that opponent beats OSU for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's just because their matchups were more favorable than what Notre Dame had. It's probably part of it. But I see that here as well. I, I think we could beat Michigan this year, but I think Michigan probably has a better chance to beat Notre or to beat OSU this year than Notre Dame. I hope I'm wrong. But having said that, I, I think uh, the way OSU's playing now, they're finally finding their their their, uh, their stride. And I think they jump on us early and we just can't, we make a run, but we just can't uh, come back. And I'm going to say 38, or OSU 38, Notre Dame 24. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. However, if we were to win this game, which I think we can, we can win, it's just these matchups that I don't think are favorable for Notre Dame right now, especially... Our secondary against their tremendous wide receivers and then their rushing attack uh, against our D-line. I just think they got too much firepower for us to... We can't win in a shootout. That's the word I was looking for before. We can, If this is a shootout, we have no chance. It's got to be some big plays by us, then some ball control, moving the chains for us to have a chance. But if we get off to that fast start, I say, even though I'm picking OSU to win this game 38-24... to 24, if Notre Dame is to win this game, Notre Dame wins 41 to 27. I, even though I was going to pick OSU anyway, not that I'm betting with anyone, but uh, if Notre Dame would win, it would be, for one, it would be great. I finally see Notre Dame in my lifetime be OSU. Be great for the fan base as well. But also it's good for me too, because yes, I lose my prediction, but at the same time, I have to color my hair or my hairstylist, Tanya, has to color my hair jet black like Sam Hartman. So I'll get at least a longer time to cover my gray hair, the few gray hairs that I have, that is, uh, for a longer period of time because the box just uh, the box or the over the counter box at the grocery store just isn't working as well as it used to. But I really win uh, if Notre Dame wins this game. Uh, what else? I think that's about. It, but here's just let me just end on this note here. If Notre, this is pretty much maybe this will be the thumbnail that Tim puts out there. But this game here is um, if no, this could be a game changer in college football. I OSU always is going to be a perennial power, 
But for Notre Dame to take that next step to uh, beat the big boys finally after, you know, 30 years, uh, if Notre Dame wins this, this is a game changer because this propels them uh, for, you know, the next big game against USC or Clemson. Uh, the biggest fear to me, though, right now is if we do beat OSU, but then lay an egg against at Duke next week. But that's a discussion for next week. Uh, but here's the thing. If we win this game, it's a game changer or is it the same old story? That that could be the, the thumbnail that Tim puts up here. Is it a game changer or just the same old story where Notre Dame has a solid team but can't beat the big boy? So, uh, or the big boys, I should say. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 103 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. And as always, go Irish.